forgive State Representative Shannon Zimmerman for approaching his legislative work from the point of view of a small business owner. River Falls Republican, after all, is a small business owner, the founder and CEO of a language translation company. Maybe now more than ever, the legislature needs such fiscal discipline as it begins work on the state's next biennial budget. As a member of the powerful budget writing committee, Joint Finance Committee, Zimmerman will have his work cut out for him beginning Thursday as the panel starts the heavy lifting of effectively rebuilding the budget Governor Tony Evers proposed earlier this year. Representative Zimmerman is our guest on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. Uh, glad to have you along with us, sir. I am thrilled to be here as well. Thank you for the invitation. I'll tell you what, heavy lifting may not even fully explain <laughs> what it is you folks are going to have to do. Start us off on what you expect to accomplish Thursday as the budget writing process begins. Well, you know, as one would probably expect and anticipate, you know, probably more of the controversial subjects will will, uh, will come later on. I suspect we'll take on some more of the simplistic topics early as we get warmed up. And probably this, this period allows us uh, a greater period of time to analyze, to understand and appreciate maybe some of the things that the governor uh, is asking for as well. Uh, we continue as, as a caucus to hold uh, town halls across the state of Wisconsin, continuing to obtain uh, uh, you know community input on some of these ideas and concepts. So you know the, the time that we've had thus far has been uh, very uh, valuable to us. Uh, but uh, look, at this point, we're eager to get going. Uh, and, and for me, as a first term on joint finance, uh, I'm thrilled. This is uh, a lot of stuff to uh, put together. First of all, you're talking about an $84.2 billion budget proposal. Yeah. That's the starting point that the governor brought the state in February. Mm -hmm. Now you have the legislature, Republican-controlled, and you're looking at, uh, first of all, the first step in this process is doing away with the non-fiscal items. Yep. Now, Legislative Fiscal Bureau estimates about 70 of those. The um, Republican-controlled Joint Finance Committee says, no, no, there are much more here. What do you expect out of that process of winnowing down uh, yep. things like um, driver's licenses for illegal immigrants, mm -hmm. the uh, legalization, or I should say, excuse me, the uh, decriminalization of marijuana, Yep. Medicaid expansion. These are just a few of the items that you'll be addressing. There's an old saying, you know, if anything's worth having, it's worth having to work for. And I kind of apply that philosophy here and on some of these subjects. Just the three you've mentioned there require thoughtful, um, collaborative discussion and conversation. I have never been a fan uh, in, in, in this body of uh, passing policy uh, within the budget. I think that it's, it's a, it, it short circuits the process. It doesn't necessarily allow for rightful uh, deliberation and collaboration on that. So, uh, you know, look, I understand what could be the perceived optics on this, but I think it's the right thing to do. Um, it's a budget. And, you know, when I, when I relate this to private sector business, we would create a budget and then you would have separate, most often separate from that, operating procedures, strategic plans which wrapped around that. Right. And they were many times, although intrinsically tied, they were oftentimes treated separately. So to me, in my mind, I, you know, look, this seems very logical that we would separate these items. And in the in the subjects, again, that you mentioned, let's bring them to committees. Let's, let's let people be heard and provide testimony on these things so that if they do ultimately end up in Wisconsin statutes, 
you know, everybody was heard thoroughly through the process. Um, how do you feel about some of these issues? And are you ready for the pressure? And you know what I mean. There's, <laughs> this is going to be an extremely melodramatic affair from some yeah. of your colleagues uh, on the Joint Finance Committee. Yes. This is going to be a long process, and in that process there's going to be a lot of gnashing of teeth, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing, uh, and frankly the left is going to say, oh those conservatives, they don't care about the people of Wisconsin. And there's going to be that narrative uh, played out. How do you go up against what uh, the left inevitably will do when it comes to these policies. So <clears throat> taking something away or the perception of taking something away is always challenging and difficult. And that's what you're really referring to here. Sure. There's this public perception um, you know, I, I heard, for example, the the, the governor's proposal uh, referred to kind of as Christmas. Uh, and, and to some degree that's the case. So as we start to winnow that back and we start to be prudent fiscally within the state and mindful of taxpayer monies, there's going to be that adverse reaction by some. But I would challenge those same people. When you think about what's going to be required financially to support the governor's proposal and, and setting aside whether, you know, each individual issue for a moment, just holistically at the, at, at the broadest level, um, that's a lot of money. That is a tremendous amount of money. And one has to ask themselves, where is it going to come from? And so often, and this has been a frustration of mine in, in the state and sometimes during this debate and, and, and this, this back and forth between the left and the right, and you know, I'm not a big fan of labels either because we're all Wisconsin residents. We all care about one another. And I find frequently we agree many times on the destination. It's the method in the journey to get there that we disagree on and we wrangle with, you know, and go round and round. But one of the things that has frustrated me in this type of debate is that we villainize the fat cat small business owner. Well, let me tell you something about the fat cat small business owners in Wisconsin. They're not fat cats. They are hardworking, blue collar, salt of the earth people who have taken a chance, embarked upon a dream that hopefully sustains not only their family, but many uh, other families within their community. These are people who likely couldn't absorb this level of tax increase. And, and, you know, for a governor who campaigned and talked a lot about, you know, no tax increases, we seem to be going the other direction here. Let's go to another category. I will never forget uh, an elderly woman in Hudson, Wisconsin. And, you know, through this process uh, to get to this seat, you knock on a lot of doors, thousands of doors and meet a lot of people. And I will never forget her because we had a long conversation and uh, she was in her mid-70s. Her husband had passed away. And one of the last things she said to me when we were saying our goodbyes was, Please don't tax me out of my home. I want to be able to die here. And so it's her voice that echoes in my mind when I look at this budget request. And, and that's why with conviction, I'm going to be able to stand up and say, look, we can't do all this. We would create harm to many, many people in the state of Wisconsin. So while on the surface there could be things that feel good, there could be things that actually are good. There's also going to be some things in the governor's proposed budget that are not good for many Wisconsinites. State Representative Shannon Zimmerman joining us, Republican from River Falls, talking about the budget. He's also a member of the Joint Finance Committee. And as we noted, the work begins in earnest coming up on Thursday. That's a, that's a powerful story. Elderly women, woman in her mid-70s. Yeah. It's, uh, well, let's face it. You know this as well as anybody. Back in the 
early part of the last decade, that was a story we were hearing all too often. Property taxes continued to rise and to rise and to rise. And the story in Wisconsin is the at that time has become the story in Illinois. <laughs> we have so many people from Illinois coming here because they do face the the problem of paying, uh, trying to absorb those higher property yep. taxes. Uh, there's an interesting poll out today, and, and it deals with this particular area mm -hmm. as you go about the budget writing process from Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce. Mm -hmm. For the first time in, in some time, you see, although slight, a majority of people concerned about where property taxes are going to go. That sure. hasn't been the case in the last little while because the state legislature and Governor Scott Walker have kept property taxes, if not frozen, at a lower level than mm -hmm. when you started all of this, the Republican Revolution back in 2011. Yep. Uh, as you as you go about the business of building that budget, how important is that property tax issue um, in budget building? Well, so my my initial the initial part of my answer would be. Defense against all taxes is something we can never lose sight of. We have to be vigilant in defending the taxpayer in Wisconsin in whatever form it takes. Property tax has been a growing concern for many people in the western part of the state, which for many maybe who are listening today do not appreciate that, that the western district that I represent is now the fastest growing in the state of Wisconsin. Um, we are I don't necessarily appreciate this. We're kind of a suburb of Minneapolis-St. Paul, and we are booming and busting at the seams. Now, that's a high-class problem in some ways. Uh, it's created a lot of new opportunities, a lot of new businesses are crossing the St. Croix River coming into Wisconsin. When I talk to people and as well within these businesses, they're coming in many ways for our, our fully burdened, you know, our tax uh, tax uh, uh, base is, is lower than what they're experiencing in Minnesota. Sure. But property taxes specifically are something that we have to find a way to do a better job of. But the issue really goes back to the local municipalities, right? They're the ones that, when I talk to these folks, they're struggling, right? Because, you know, we have uh, set certain caps and limits and so forth, and so they need some funds. Too often, very sadly, as I follow the money trail through the state of Wisconsin, sometimes the shared revenues don't always make their way back to some of these locations who have paid in. So if I really simplify things and I look at the current state of Wisconsin, and, and, and I say we have a crisis, we're approaching a cliff. We're approaching a cliff in the sense that if we do not address our workforce crisis, it will have a ripple effect across all the business owners in the state, uh, everybody who lives here. And so one of the theories I have is that if we can more attractively dress ourselves from a tax standpoint, meaning let's reduce tax, the theory goes, certainly that I subscribe to, is that you will have more people from Illinois defecting and coming to our state, living here, paying tax in a variety of other ways, uh, buying homes, renting homes, buying food. Our state revenues rise, thus, in theory, providing relief in other tax categories that maybe have been problems in the past. You know, it's simple math in some ways. The more human beings that we can you know, bring into the state of Wisconsin, number one, we need them. Uh, number two, it's more people to distribute the tax, I'll say, burden upon, and thus you should see a lower per person tax as we go forward. And that's something that I am very interested in moving ahead on. Interesting you mentioned that. I'll pull from the same poll. Uh, this is Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce today. 
This is one of the many findings from that poll. Wisconsinites are less optimistic about the economy than they were just one year ago. According to the recent scientific poll commissioned by the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, the poll also found that while voters currently approve of the uh, job Governor Tony Evers is doing, they are not supportive of many of the proposals included in his first budget. Well, that's been a topic of much debate, but isn't it alarming that we have Wisconsinites saying they're not as optimistic when, take a look at what's happening nationally, take a look at what's happening yeah. in Wisconsin, take a look at GDP nationally and in Wisconsin, take a look at wages rising, yeah. and yet they're not as optimistic. Why? So I think there's two reasons for that. I think you actually alluded to one of them, or the survey and the poll you're citing actually alluded to one of them. We have been on a wonderful trajectory in so many different ways. We've minded and managed our checkbook. We have been, I'll say, open for business. We are business friendly. I'm a part of that process in the state of Wisconsin. And so as people who have lived and watched this play out over the past decade in the state of Wisconsin and nationally, you know, certainly of late, there's a lot of cause for optimism. But one concern, the first concern, could be what you really cited there, which is when you look at a, at a budget proposal that spends this much money, it's just common sense. You know, it, it immediately the realization hits you that this isn't sustainable, this isn't feasible, and this is breaking from what has worked for a decade. And so that would be a cause for alarm. Secondly, and this could be speculation, it is probably in many people's minds appropriate or reasonable to start to have caution when you look at the macro economy. Okay, the bull market is at record all-time levels. It's been running for a long, long time. And history would tell us that we are due for a correction. So that could be contributing to some of this. Now, clearly we're in a new era and a new time. And I sometimes contend that even the national level tax reforms that were implemented at the federal level, I'm not certain we have felt even the full effects of those yet. So while History would tell us that correction is due and we should be preparing for it, which is, you know, prudent. That's why we think of rainy day funds and we think of not, you know, we have a surplus. Let's not blow the surplus. Let's not spend the money we have because that's what we would do in our homes, right? Save for rainy day and for the pipe in the furnace that's going to blow and break and what have you. But I would think that those two reasons, you know, staring in the face of a budget that is increasing spending dramatically and what is historical patterns of correction are probably the major influences on why people might be thinking a little cautiously about the road ahead. Are businesses in your district concerned about what the governor would like to do, what he proposes to do. I'm, I, I bring that up because I have uh, talked to businesses in this state mm -hmm. who have expressed concern or at least the anxiety of uncertainty. What are you hearing in your well, you can see it manifesting itself in a lot of different ways. Now, I was very glad to see the governor's kind of, I'll say, restatement or reposition on Foxconn. So at the, at the highest level on a major, highly visible project like Foxconn, uh, where there was a lot of, I think, uh, oh, concerns maybe some rhetoric as well that kind of uh, went along with that to see him come back and say, well, you know, maybe, you know, I'll take them at their word here after, after meeting with them. That's good. But look, uh, businesses uh, around the state, businesses in a border district where we are pulling businesses from Minnesota over into Wisconsin, yeah, some of his proposals have caught their attention. The manufacturing agricultural credit. This is a differentiator for Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And 
using business you know, speak here for a second, every business wants a differentiator. You want to distinguish yourself against your competition. Well, who's our competition? I kind of contend the following. Wisconsin is in a prime position to be the upper Midwest definitive leader in so many different categories. Not that we aren't already, but I think that we can continue to sustain that and do a better job. But what we don't want to do is take away those things that distinguish us and separate us from Minnesota or Iowa or Illinois or Michigan. And altering or modifying or removing uh, that credit would have an adverse effect. We have a number of manufacturers in the western part of the state, and we have major you know, global manufacturers that are 20 minutes from Hudson, 3M Corporation, headquartered in St. Paul, but it is very common. I see them across my district. They will create, or I'll say support, little satellite manufacturing operations. They're not branded 3M. They're owned by an independent, by a Wisconsin company, but they're essentially a captive shop. Those are the types of things we want to foster and continue, and we do not want to send a message of concern or uncertainty to these employers, these companies, because, look, if our greatest problem right now is low unemployment and workforce, do you want to trade that for the alternative? I don't. You don't, because the alternative, of course, is just uh, not too far south of us. And we've seen that play out, of course. And you mentioned that, Foxconn, Foxconn, that model, the mm-hmm. 3M model that you're talking about, businesses, Supporting businesses, building yep. up around—that's what's all factored in to mm-hmm. this, you know, generationally changing economic development deal. Just a few more minutes with State Representative Shannon Zimmerman, Republican, uh, and a member of the Joint Finance Committee, joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. I wanted to get into the talk of the last—I oh, don't know—24 hours or so. According to the legislature's nonpartisan fiscal bureau, the, there would be a shortfall of about $1.4 billion over the next two years. This mm-hmm. is back now to the Joint Finance Committee's work. If the Joint Finance Committee basically dismantles the governor's budget proposals. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that amazing because we're talking about a budget that is, depending on how you look at it, somewhere between six and seven billion dollars more than the last biennial right. budget. Um, they keep talking about it in terms of deficit. There would be a deficit. Um, how do you respond to this notion? Again, this is from the, the the fiscal bureau, but this notion that if you take away these sorts of initiatives, like the free, and I put that in quotes, the free money from the federal government on Medicaid expansion, that you're going to be creating this massive budget hole. And how does the Republican-controlled Joint Finance Committee deal with that in budget writing? Well, okay, we can go a lot of different directions here, so I'm going to try and be succinct and straightforward on this one. First of all, free money. I have never in my life found money to be free. It's, it, it, and, and the subject at hand as it relates to Medicare is a short-sighted view at a mirage uh, on the horizon. Um, first of all, we have now discussed and debated the number of, I'll, I'll say, Wisconsin residents who are or are not eligible for certain uh, forms of health care. They're all eligible in some form or another. And in fact, um, if we were to take the Medicaid money, and, and, and people have said that, it's free money, right? The federal government, it's holding, it's going to send it our way. If you look at the states and look at some of the analysis that has been conducted in those states that have accepted this, in reality, it's a short-term 
uh, flush of money because it's followed by an increase in expense because the burden shifts because of the uh, of the reimbursement rates to the providers or when they're do, uh, uh, receiving Medicaid um, the private healthcare industry and providers are going to be uh, unnecessarily hurt and they're going to have to increase costs so the net effect is actually this is going to this is going to counter itself and that's not what we want to do secondly do you really want to take, I'll say, a one-time surge of money, you develop programs with a long-term vision to sustain on something that's going to likely go away? We already know that many of the federal programs are unsustainable. Finally, I just simplistically look at this. In 2000, I think it was in eight, we had roughly a $10 trillion national deficit. We're over $22 trillion now. That scares me for my kids and for my grandkids. And so while I, I understand and that's literally all I can say about it in terms of the surface level appearance of what could be something favorable. It's not. It's not. And we have to be uh, prudent and we have to be mindful of sharing that message and providing that level of education that that's not a good thing to do. Be interesting moving forward. I know that there are some who are considering uh, ideas of, uh, I think it's been billed even as uh, Medicaid light, the Arkansas model or the Utah model, those kinds of things. Um, we'll see where that goes. In talking with uh, Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald earlier mm -hmm. this week, he mm -hmm. said, there's, there's room at the table for discussion, but he doesn't see the momentum, certainly in the Senate at this point, mm -hmm. of, of doing anything with sure. Medicaid expansion. And he says that's basically the, the sense that you have in the Assembly. Is, is that correct? You know, I would agree with that. Um, I feel in some ways, if, if people really appreciated, and, and the average person in Wisconsin probably doesn't dig into this deep enough, but Wisconsin has a, a fairly robust program right now in place. And, and we do provide the coverage. There are, I mean, when you look at some of the market rates for, let's say, the southeastern part of the state for people within, you know, on the federal poverty level uh, under 138%, 18 cents a month premiums. Right. That, is that for real? I mean, when I heard that number, I couldn't believe it. If you move to the region to the west, the more the Eau Claire area, I think you're at $15 a month. So are we looking for a problem to fix here? I mean, and look, healthcare, there are issues. Don't get me wrong. Healthcare costs are rising, and that is a whole separate animal that we need to tackle. But if the issue or the problem at hand is covering our great residents in the state of Wisconsin, we have a mechanism in place to do that, and I think Wisconsin actually does a good job of that. Yeah, Chris Rochester gentleman sitting here to my left and helping us put together this fine uh, podcast has found some plans in the Brown County area as low as 15 cents a month. So you had to top southeast, uh, didn't you, Ed? Okay. You looked a little further. That's what we do at MacGyver, <laughs> my goodness. Okay. Uh, let's wrap things up. I, All right. I told you about this before. This is the fastest uh, segment that we have. It's called Five Fast Questions. Don't put a lot of thought into the answers, as I often say, because certainly we, we haven't put a lot of thought into the questions. So, okay. Are you ready for Five Fast Questions? Fire away, sir. Number one, obviously, based on your business, uh, translation, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Have you ever been lost in translation? Uh, yes, I have at one point in time, and it was well documented. Oh, yes, that is correct. I'm sorry, I didn't even think about that. But uh, I was thinking more along the Bill Murray movie. But yes, I remember the coverage of that particular Men are issue. from Mars, women are from Venus. That's comment. right. Yes. It, it reminds me once again how far we've gone astray uh, with uh, some elements of uh, media today. Yeah. Uh, Who is your favorite BG? And you can't say Barry or Robin. <laughs> Nobody else. 
I don't know that I know any of the Bee Gees beyond them, so I apologize. That's fine. The correct answer, of course, we're looking for is Maurice. Maurice <laughs> Gibbs. Very good. On the subject of odds-on favorite maximum security's disqualification, would you say the Kentucky Racing Commission can't handle the truth? <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah, they probably can't handle the truth. I've seen a lot of uh, yeah. criticism, including from the president, about yeah. this, the handling of it. Number four, knowing what you know about the Assembly Democrat Caucus's position mm -hmm. on decriminalization of marijuana, are you now more or less likely to try the brownies they bring to Legislature Potluck Day? Well, as, as probably appealing as they may look, uh, when on the job, I will stay focused on the job at hand and have to pass. Very important. Then, fifth question, is there such a thing as Legislature Potluck Day? <laughs> there hasn't been, but there should be. Because in business, we're meant to negotiate and find middle ground in our personal relationships we are. Why in the heck should government be different? We just have to stop being so divisive and polarized and have grown-up conversations and solve the problems for the state of Wisconsin. So whether it's a potluck or a beer across the street, we should find a way to get it done. Well, sir, I, I support that uh, kind of consensus building and reaching across. And I'll tell you this. You folks bring the luck. The Democrats apparently will bring the pot. So thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. And thank you for, uh, for being along on the ride for five fast questions. It's a lot we ask of our newsmakers, and we do appreciate it. I appreciate it. it very much. Thank you. You bet. That is State Representative Shannon Zimmerman, Republican River Falls, and a member of the powerful Joint Finance Committee. Like I said before, they get down to work in earnest coming up on Thursday. The budget battle truly does begin. Thank you for joining us as always. For MacGyver Newsmakers, I'm Matt Kittle.